Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Well, I'm so excited to share the word. If you want to follow on in the sermon outline, that's in your bulletin, or you can download it there at home. Um, Hallelujah. Somebody say, it is finished. You know, pronouncements can have a radical impact on our lives. Um, I wonder if you can think back of a pronouncement that really, really changed the course of your life. I'll never forget 44 years ago, my dad married Sharon and I, and I'll remember those words. I pronounce you now husband and wife. Wow, did that change my life. Maybe some of you in a court hearing heard the words, not guilty. That changed your life. Maybe in some other area, there was a great pronouncement that you are the, you know, the sole heir of the great estate. (laughs) Don't you wish? Um, Or that you won the championship. Um, You've been chosen for a scholarship. Something great. I remember the words. I've told the story in the Philippines where these uh, terrorists came. They were going to kidnap us and and, and the pastor said, they decided to let you go for 300 pesos. I said, yeah, what a pronouncement. Changed everything. But of all the pronouncements that have ever been made over your life, there is no pronouncement like this pronouncement that was made by Jesus Christ for every one of us. Let's look at this verse in John 19, verses 28 to 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, let's say it together, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Last words. How many know last words are lasting words? Of course, he rose again. But there, when he spoke those words, it changed everything. He, he, there's so much. We're going to unpack this over the next three weeks. The, the word, it is finished, tetelestai in the Greek. That's kind of fun to say. You want to try it? Tetelestai. It's an accounting word. It means paid in full. It was a word that if a prisoner had fulfilled their sentence, they would get a paper and it would be stamped to tell us die. You can never be charged for that crime again. You are free. It, it spoke of the fact that everything in the Old Testament about getting right with God was fulfilled. From the time of Adam and Eve, for someone to be forgiven, an innocent lamb would have to be slain. And in fact, on that Passover weekend when Jesus died, it's estimated there were 200,000 lambs that were sacrificed. Can you imagine? Just put yourself in there, especially with your kids. You have your favorite little lamb, spotless, without blemish. And, and, and you say, sorry, we gotta go down to the temple and cut his throat. And when Jesus said, it is finished, He said, there will never have to be another lamb sacrificed. 
for you to be forgiven. There will never be another rule that you have to keep as a stepping stone to get God to accept you. This temple won't be a place you have to go to to find God. In fact, I'm tearing the veil in, in two. Everything that could change about the universe has changed right now because it is finished. And I want us to unpack over these weeks uh, the significance of that and the implications of that. It's, it's the heart of grace. We, we define grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That at the heart of the gospel, I love that what someone said, that to understand Christianity, you have to understand the bottom line. The bottom line of every other religion is do, right? You gotta do something. The bottom line of Christianity is done. It's finished. It's finished. This is not a paycheck. This is an inheritance. You don't earn any of it. You receive it. Jesus ran the race, and he gives you first prize. He, he fought the battle, and you get all the spoil. Isn't that amazing? And it's gonna take you for eternity to understand what that means. Because the more you understand it, the more it changes everything about your life. We're gonna look at it from different angles. Today, I wanna look at it from the angle of how what Jesus did on the cross brings closure. As we say, it brings a way for the hurts of the past to be finished so the new beginnings of God's future can begin. It's a way that we can have peace with our past. We can lose the regrets. We can lose the labels, the, the traumas, and we can start to receive the blessings. And I really felt this. You know, our theme for Easter is new beginnings, and, and I'm so excited. We have been declaring, you know, such new beginnings. I, I declared it last week. I keep declaring it. When you've gone through your worst, God's preparing you for your best, you know? And, and we believe a revival's coming as COVID stuff ends. The spirit is gonna be poured out. There's gonna be such beginnings, you won't believe it. And as I was thinking about that, the Lord spoke this to me. He says, here's the deal, Dale. To have new beginnings, you have to have necessary endings. There's things you have to be done with if you're ready to begin with something beautiful and something powerful and something new. I love how it says the three Hebrew children, they were throwing the fiery furnace. Some of you remember the story. And God brought them out. Hallelujah. God's brought some of you out of some terribly difficult things. But my favorite part of the story is it says, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Don't you love that? <laughs> Came out smelling like a rose. You see, a lot of people go through stuff, but they don't finish with the stuff they go through. <laughs> They keep living that stuff. And you can smell it when you're around them. They have a smell of death on them. They are, oh, <laughs> you've been through something, I can tell. And then there are other people who don't even smell like smoke. And, and I believe as the season we've been through, and this is what I feel, it was a word from the Lord, that there are many people right now carrying incredible spiritual baggage, great Christians, but there's mindsets that have come over them. And, and I wanna just say it this way. It's not gonna just pass. 
The Bible never says, just let the past pass. No, it says, put off. <laughs> you know, like wet clothes. Some of the mindsets people get, you got to peel them off. Some of the attitudes people pick up, you, you, they don't go away. You throw them away. And if you're coming past this season, some people are going to have to take some spiritual baggage and toss it. You know, if you expect not to be more politically judgmental after what we've been through or more hardened towards people who think differently about race or, 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 or towards people who wear masks or don't wear masks, if you expect to come out of that season not feeling isolated, easy to connect again, if you expect to come out of a season with less anxiety and less fear, it won't happen by accident. It will be happen because you put off the old self. And you said, I'm not wearing grave clothes because I'm going to a new season. And so we want to learn how to let it is finished be it is finished. How many are ready to tell the devil, devil, it is finished? You know that fear I had? It's finished. That guilt and regret? It's finished. I'm sorry, but it is finished. And I'm going to something new and something better. This is at the heart of God's promise for restoration. He doesn't just say, I'll bring you through. He says, I'll bring you better. <laughs> Look at Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. I like what Joyce Meyer says. You'll get double for all your trouble. <laughs> Instead of disgrace, you will receive your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion. Somebody say double portion. In your land, an everlasting, untakeable Take awayable joy <laughs> will be yours. Joel 2.25 says, I will repay you for the years the locust has eaten, the great locust. King James says, I will restore. I will restore everything. I will restore. I speak that over. Somebody needs something restored. Their faith needs to be restored. Their marriage needs to be restored. And God says, that's exactly what I do. You see, when you, when you go through and put off things God's way, you know what it means? You'll be able to love like you were never hurt. You'll be able to dream like you were never disappointed. You will, will be able to start like there's nothing but a future. You will not smell like smoke. So new beginnings come from successful endings. Starting a new chapter comes from how you close the old one. So let me just mention a few important things about closure. How well you finish yesterday determines how well you'll start today. It really is true. Um, have you ever noticed some people, when they get up in the morning, go to work, it's like they're carrying a 1,000 pounds. Why? They still got yesterday. Other people wake up and they can carry a 1,000 pounds because they don't have any yesterdays on their shoulder. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, do, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You know what he's saying? You better be finished with yesterday because otherwise you'll drag a bunch of stuff around today. And it's just a powerful principle. 
How you finish well is how you start well. I don't care if we're talking about finishing a job. If you leave with a bad taste, your next job is going to follow you. If you leave a church just, you know, bad, it's going to be bad. If you finish well, if you get a blessing, if you get a blessing on where you've been, you'll have power for where you're going. I love that one of the things about Sharon, I love my wife, she, she will not go to sleep with dirty dishes. I beg her to. We're too tired. She says, I don't want to, yesterday to be with me tomorrow. And I thought, boy, isn't that a great way to live your life? Before I go to sleep, I in- intentionally forget everything that people did wrong to me. I let go of every sin I've committed. I make sure it's gone forever. I let go of what I was worried about. Nothing about yesterday is gonna ruin today. See, you have to be finished with your old self to be able to put on your new self. You know, the real issue is, can I, is not can I quit the old habits. Uh, the issue is, are you done yet? <laughs> You know, they say hit rock bottom. I don't think people hit rock bottom. I think finally they just decide to surrender. Because you can go pretty down and never surrender. But if you're willing to say, you know what? I'm done with my old self. I'm done with a selfish attitude. Then God says you can have a new attitude right now. You don't have to get 10 years of therapy. I'm telling you. You can just change if you're done. If you're not done, it won't be done. But if you're done, you can be different today. That's why one of the most profound emblems of Christianity is water baptism. I love it on Easter. You know what you're saying? I'm done. I'm done with who I was. And so Jesus says, don't even just be done. Memorialize it. In fact, after I got baptized, I drew a giant picture of a cemetery and a tombstone. And I put on there, here lies Dale Walker, born, you know, 1955, died September 30th, 1971. And began a whole new life. Number three, just realize when we don't get closer for yesterday, we are... We are robbing ourselves from the blessings God has for today and tomorrow. I see many people, they live, I describe it with a rubber band around their waist. I mean, they start to go, and then all of a sudden, they're still tied back to 1963. That's the day their joy died. They're still tied to stuff. You know, I can't think of anything sadder sadder in life for a 50-year-old to still be where they were when they were 27. Stuck. Emotionally, relationally, unable to grow. See, the children of Israel came out of Egypt, but guess what? They didn't get Egypt out of them. And when it came time for them to enter the promised land, what happened? They went back to Egypt. If you're not done with Egypt, you're going to go so far, and someday you're going to end up back there. And there comes a time when you cut the rope. I told the story about these uh, two drunkards that rowed a boat across the lake to go drinking at a bar, and they were there until like 2 in the morning. 
They had tied up their boat to the dock, and they go back to come home, and they get in their boat, and they start rowing, and they row, and they row, and they row. The sun comes up, and they look, and they say, man, it's a long way, and they look around, and they're still tied to the dock. How many know it's time to untie the rope? It's time to say, it's finished. Say it again. It is finished. I'm done with that. I'm done. It's not who I am. That's not who I'll be. I'm done. If we don't, what's going to happen? We're going to carry. We say it all the time. Hurt people do what? Hurt people. Heal people. Help people. I don't care how nice you try to be. If you're hurt, you're going to hurt somebody. And if you're healed, you're going to help somebody. So why not be healed today? Amen? And then Jesus made a way for us to be done and free from the regrets, lies, labels, hurts, and strongholds of our past. Let's read Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 to 15. I love this. Colossians 2, 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith. Somebody say, through your faith. In the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled, here's some good cancel culture right now having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. Somebody say, taken it away. And nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is such good news. Jesus said something happened and you were a part of it. It wasn't just Jesus died, you died. Somebody say, I died. It was finished before it ever started. <laughs> now, what he says was that Jesus took the complete blame, punishment, and debt for all of our sin. He, he took every electric chair, gas chamber we deserved. He took every single debt, every bill of failed obedience, every uh, error, every way we have fallen short, and of every person, all of the millions of death sentences that Satan said, aha, I get to kill you now. Every label that was put on you, convict, abused, betrayed, took every a curse, you'll never amount to anything. You'll always be poor. You're a loser. He took every satanic authority and weapon that he could use against you, and he nailed it to the cross. He, he destroyed everything. Satan is the accuser, and he's so anxious to accuse us, and he's gathered all of this data on us. And he comes before God and he says, hey, let me tell you about Sean on, you know, on April 5th, this, and woo, 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 woo. And then Jesus, our defense attorney, just stands up and says, yes, but 2,000 years I died his death. 
I canceled those. And Father God says, not guilty. Sorry, devil. It's finished. You have no power. You have no ground to stand on. The power of, of sin, the power of your old self, the power of even death, the sting of old hurts that come back and try to make toxic deposits into your mind. Jesus destroyed them. Love the story of, of a dad who had a son who was allergic to bee stings and wasp stings and so forth. And they're driving the car and all of a sudden this wasp is in the car and starts buzzing around. And the little boy's screaming and dad reaches over and grabs it, holds it a second, lets the wasp go and it starts buzzing. The little boy says, dad, why did you let him go? Why did you let him go? And dad says, don't worry, son, I've got the stinger right here in my hand. It has no more power. It has been defeated. All it can do is make noise. Aren't you glad all the devil can do is make noise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is your inheritance. You have received, the Bible says, a new kind of righteousness, not based on your performance, but on your position. What does that mean? That when God sees you, he doesn't base on your merit, how he's going to treat you. He bases it on the position because the moment you are in Christ, you have the legal standing of Jesus Christ. You have his righteousness. You are as if you had never sinned. I know this is hard to imagine, but it is true. You have a new identity. You have a new birth certificate. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Somebody say, I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This is so wonderful. Now, here is the key. How do we begin to make that reality a part of our life? Here's some scriptural keys to finding closure and peace with your past and positioning yourself to have God's best new beginning and future. Number one, receive what Jesus did for you by faith. Receive it as your new identity, your new reality, and your new destiny. That's what we call salvation. This is the most wonderful thing. <laughs> to say, Jesus, all I have to have is enough faith to receive a gift. I don't have to clean my act up. I don't have to make you a bunch of promises. All I have to do is to have faith to say, thank you. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I accept you now. Can you imagine Every person in this world is just one prayer away from a whole new life. Whoever will just believe. Now, it begins by, by believing, but it requires an internalizing of faith. It requires that you personalize by putting off old mindsets and, and putting on a new mind and a radical decision that you are going to think different about yourself and about your past than you thought in the past. It is a, a complete commitment. 
The Bible says, put off the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on your new self. What does that mean? I will not think about myself the way I used to think about myself. You think of it this way. Imagine if you had a whole stack of bills. What's the natural way you would think about that? Panic. Oh my goodness, how am I going to pay? But what if someone comes in and says, oh, by the way, I just paid all of your bills. How many know that would change how you felt right there? You would take those old bills and would you still pay them? How many know people who are still trying to pay for their old sins? You would just say, oh, it's finished, and you would burn it. It's finished. It's not sort of finished. <laughs> the same way with your old desires. What if you really believed, I am crucified with Christ? I do not live out of my flesh. I live out of a new nature. Then all of a sudden, you would see, I love this term, you would see those desires, that anger, that lust, whatever it is, you would see it as a phantom symptom. You know, when people get amputated, they get woken up all the time feeling the pain in their arm that isn't there. <laughs> it's not there, it's here. You see, things can be done, but they're not finished until you believe it. <laughs> and the enemy wars in your mind to keep you in a mindset. It's not done yet. It's not over. See, you don't feel forgiven, so you're not forgiven. See, you don't feel like you're free from what happened to you, so it must not be true. He keeps you in a mindset of unbelief so he can keep you from the freedom of what Jesus did. I heard a kind of interesting story. Some of you know about Houdini, and he was this master escape artist, and when he would go into a town to, uh, to do a show, he would challenge people uh, to put him in the county jail. And inevitably, he would find a way of escape. This happened city after city until he came to this place where there was a really clever uh, jailer. And he, he put Houdini in the prison cell, and he pretended to, to lock it with the key, but he played a trick on him. He actually didn't lock it. Houdini started his little routine, all of his little gadgets and whatever, and he worked and he worked for hours and hours and finally, he gave up. He said, this is the first lock I've not been able to open. I can't get out. And the jailer just starts cracking up, and he just pulls the door open. <laughs> How many know people who live in prisons, who fight like crazy, and they don't know Jesus already opened the cell? They don't agree. And Jesus says, it really is finished. I heard about a Japanese soldier they found in the 1960s on an island in the Pacific who was still guarding his post. He didn't know the war had ended 20 years before. Some of you are prisoners of a war that Jesus already won. <laughs> See, it's not enough, it's not enough to, to hear it is finished. You have to know it is finished. See, there's three kinds of people. There's those who don't know it is finished. There's those who in their head know it is finished, but it doesn't matter. And there's those who live like it is finished. They know it so deep that it changes their life. Remember hearing about an ice skater in this Olympic thing, and, and you know they would add up your score, and they would keep your highest score. And when it came time 
to get up to skate, she saw the truth that she had already won the skating contest. And all of a sudden she knew, I do not have to skate to earn a gold medal. It's finished. All she did is got out there and skated like she couldn't lose. Because she wasn't skating for something, she was skating from something. There are people who are living for a better relationship with God, and there are people who are living from the knowledge, I am his beloved. Hebrews 10, 14 says, through one sacrifice, he has made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified by him. Perfect. Does that mean I act perfect? No. It means I'm counted perfect while I'm on the way to get better. But I know it. Wow. It means making public declarations. Romans 12, 11 says, they overcame Satan by the blood of their lamb. And somebody know what the rest of it says? By the word of their testimony. Super powerful. Are you declaring who you are? Or are you repeating the lie that the devil's telling you in your mind? If you will begin to declare, here's a declaration I wrote, for example. Hallelujah, because it is finished, Lord. I am completely accepted. My sins are gone. I will never be condemned. I stand before you, God, and can receive all you have for me because I know you delight to answer my prayer. Because it is finished, all the promises of God are mine. Because it is finished, I know that all things in life are fixed to turn out for my good. Because it is finished, I am free from the power of the attacks of fear, anxiety, discouragement. They have lost their grip on me. They cannot hold me captive. Anxieties do not have claim on me. They can be easily brushed off onto God, and I will live in perfect peace. Because it is finished, all my spiritual enemies are defeated. I have power over my old nature, lust, anger, negativity. None of it can control me anymore. Because it is finished, I let go of offenses, and I don't walk offended at another second of my life. Because it is finished. I live out of the spirit in love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because it is finished, I'm not intimidated by anything going on in the world around me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because it is finished, I live every day in victory. Amen. So here's your homework, class. Here's your homework. Go write your it is finished paper. Amen. And start to declare it. Leave your past completely behind and choose your future in God. Now, let me just kind of zero in. The Bible has a lot to say about forgetting. It is constantly saying forgetting the wrong thing is the key to remembering the right thing. <laughs> Choosing to deliberately put things out of your mind how many know if you live looking in the rear view mirror, you're not gonna go very far? Have you ever known someone? You're around them and all you get is history lessons. Did you say, has anything happened in the last 20 years? <laughs> they are stuck. You always know when someone's stuck because they are a broken record. Repeat, 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 repeat. And the Bible gives us, let's look at this, Isaiah 43, 18. Can we see Isaiah 43, 18? Such a powerful verse. 
Read it with me. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. How about Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, 12 to 14? Do we have that one? Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. We don't have it. Let me read it to you. Brothers and sisters, this is what I do every day. Forgetting what is behind, I strain for what is ahead. I press every day towards the goal. Can I tell you, faith is always forward. Faith is always forward. I press toward the goal to win the prize that Jesus died and went to heaven to give me. Every day, I forget. Every day, I bring closure to what would only weigh my life down if I carried it today. I love the story I've mentioned about Claire Barton, the founder of Red Cross, and she was this gracious woman, and and, and one day someone saw her being so kind to an employee who had just ridiculed her and hammered her. And this other employee came to her and said, how could you be so nice to that lady? Don't you remember what she said about you? And Clara Barton said, oh, I remember deliberately forgetting what she said about me. It doesn't exist anymore in my heart. I treat her as I know she shall be. Not because of what she did. Could, could you imagine? Wouldn't you love to be with someone like that? I deliberately remember forgetting your mistake, Dale. This is what it means to be a person of faith. Always choosing to remember to forget. See, God forgets. Don't you, aren't you glad he says he doesn't remember your sins as far as the east is from the west? Does that mean God has dementia? No. It means, he says, everything that you've done against me, I have deliberately chosen to remove it from my mind to be an issue that could in any way hinder my relationship with you, son. It's done. And it will not be remembered because it's done. Now, this includes not only the bad things, but even refusing to stay focused on the past good things in a way that keeps us from the new things. Let me say that again. If we get too focused on good things that happen, it could keep us from seeing the new things that God wants to happen. How many know it's nostalgia can be good and nostalgia can be bad? And one of the old mindsets, and believe me, people like me in your retirement age, all of a sudden, the good old days. Can I tell you something, friends? The good old days weren't that good. But our mind goes... We get looking back. We refuse to see. Paul did this. He said, I forget. He says, I was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I had all kinds of trophies. I count it rubbish. I, I, I am not stuck on that because there's something amazing about to happen. My eye is focused on the promise, but my eye is focused on a purpose. My eye is not stuck on what I was. My eye is focused on what I'm about to be. This is so powerful. Uh, I don't know if any of you remember that movie, Up, a Disney movie. And I, I love that movie. My favorite part, Carl is the 78-year-old balloon salesman who had a dream that his wife Ellie and him had to have enough balloons to carry their house to South America. 
she dies, and he decides to go ahead and try to do this, and he begins to fly, and this stowaway named Russell gets on board. So maybe you remember some of that. But he is the most grumpy, unhappy old man you could find. Russell is a pain in the neck to him. He's just distracted. He just doesn't like life. He's just so miserable. And near the end of the movie, I love this, he goes through what he calls his adventure book, which is sort of a diary written with his wife who died, Ellie. And he finds a letter that she wrote to him. And the letter is there to thank him for fulfilling the promise that he had made to her, cross your heart, that they would go on this balloon ride. And then at the end of the letter, she writes this note. Now, Carl, it's time to go and have a new adventure. Instantly, he sees his purpose to be a, a father figure to Russell. And, and the rest of the movie is he lives on purpose. Can I tell someone here today, God says, it's time to go and have a new adventure. There's something ready for you. The very best thing that's ever happened is still to come. But if your eyes are back there, you won't see what God's doing there. And the last, that's the last point. Closure comes when we cast the burdens of the past, the griefs, the disappointments, and the anxieties through prayer. You see, we are in a time of transition, and times of transition are always the same. They, they always are filled with anxieties. There, there's always uncertainty. Then with uncertainty, there is anxiety and anxiousness, and, and often the disappointments begin to become bigger than the possibilities. And we begin to carry these weights upon our shoulders. We, we begin to think of our losses and we begin to not just grieve, but we begin to get stuck in the grief of what we've lost. All of us have lost things. This has been a year of loss, some of us far more than others. But if we're not careful, that grief will imprison us. It will keep us stuck. It will stop all that God has planned for our future. What's the answer? The answer is to pour our hearts in prayer and praise with people. Remember when Jesus was grieving, what did he do? Two things. He asked his friends to come with him, and he went to the garden and prayed. And he poured out to God his heart. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We're very familiar, but this is, this is called Resolution and closure, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Um, we'll get it for the next service. But here's what it says. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody remember this verse? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, somebody say the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will come and take over in your mind and your heart. Can I tell you what closure is? It's the peace of God. It's the presence of God. It's, it's you're there, and it's been hard, and, and you hurt, but then all of a sudden, oh, I can breathe. It's finished. The trauma's done. It was heartbreaking. It was emotional. It was devastating. But it is really now something that happened and not something that is still happening. 
through prayers, uh, God speaks to us. His word that brings healing, that turns the graves into guards, like I say, that turns the traumas into actual testimonies. The setbacks into comebacks. The great illustration, I'll just refer to it in 2 Samuel 12, 15, is the story of David. David has his young baby son die. And it's the most heart-wrenching story. If you want to read it sometimes, that's in 2 Samuel 12. But he, you know, he, he has committed adultery with Bathsheba, which just makes it worse. He, because now he's going to take the blame, certainly. And, and he's pouring his guts out to God. Please, God, don't let my baby die. And he fasts and he's praying and everybody's worried about him. But every day, he pours his heart out. But then the baby dies. And the most interesting thing happens in 2 Samuel 15, 20, it says, David rises from the ground, he washes and anoints himself, and he goes into the house of the Lord, and he worships. And after worshiping, he comes out, and he has the peace. He said, hey, everybody, let's get to work. Let's go. They're just freaking out. What? David, you can't just get over that. David, what's going on? He says, no, you don't understand. I've been in the house of the Lord. I poured out my heart to God. You don't understand. I sowed in tears. I'm going to reap in joy. You don't understand. God spoke to my heart. And he tells them what God said to him. It's just a beautiful word. God said, uh, David, he will not be able to come to you, but you will go to him. I have had this happen so many times in grief. You're trying to bring closure. Nothing you can do. Pay the psychiatrist, whatever you want. And then God speaks. And it's finished. He tells your spirit something. I'm in control. I am your healer. I love you. And the bondage breaks. Can I tell you, if you've gone through trauma, God has a word for you. If you'll pour out your heart, if you'll get some friends, that's what we're trying to do with Easter. The Everyone understands if you are isolated, if you are unconnected, grief will have so much power. <laughs> but if you have friends and you come to the house of God and you worship, something amazing will happen. <laughs> I just closed this one story. I just came to my mind with Easter. My mom died in 2013. I remember just the loss, and you all know what that's like to lose your mom. And it was Easter that was coming up that year. So I went out to her grave in, in, in El Paso, and, and I'm sitting on the ground beside the grave, and, and I'm just feeling sad and just feeling all that. And all of a sudden, I just feel the Lord tell me, Dale, it's time to worship and so sitting there on the grass, I just start worshiping God. And I just start singing all the, the hymns that she loved. You know, great is thy faithfulness. It is well with my soul. And I, I start worshiping. Boy, the Holy Spirit just like hits me. Before you know it, I'm just weeping. And I'm in the spirit. And I'm like, man, the people driving by said, boy, that guy's in trouble. Whatever. But in that moment of complete glory, 
God speaks a word to my heart. Basically, he says, and it's not that it's a big word, but it was, it was a word. He said, Dale, I want you to understand something. Your mom hasn't left you. She has left you a legacy. She has left her faith. She has left her anointing to be a blessing that will be multiplied, not in your, only your life, your siblings and her grandchildren and her children to a thousand generations. You don't understand what she has left you. It's so big, much bigger than what you can imagine. I want you to begin to tell her grandkids. I want you to begin to tell everyone. My mom had anointing of worship. Tell the worship leaders. I told Joel. That's part of why I did it. I told all of my relatives. Uh, those who were preachers, she was a preacher. Those who were healers, those who were prophets. Mom left you a legacy. And all I can tell you is God told me, don't. Focus on what's left. Focus on what's left. His presence. His power. His freedom. And just believe in closing for some of you, God has an incredible work of closure he wants to do in your heart. Can I just say it this way? And I'd love if you would like to participate in this, if you might look at your card and and if you don't do this now, do it later, because I think this could be huge. Maybe if you're online, you can get a card or you can chat or something. But if I was to ask you to do one thing, I'd ask you right now to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, uh, what is something in my life, what is a wound, a regret, a sad story that you want to speak and say, it is finished to? What is something in my life that, though it happened in the past, is still tormenting me in the present? It could be, it could be a label that you've worn, a divorcee, alcoholic, ex-felon, depressed person, a smoker, a, re a rejected spouse, a damaged goods. I don't know. It could be a, a label that, that keeps coming back, that the enemy keeps trying to to get you to wear again, you'll never be happy. Don't ever trust a man again. Don't ever trust a woman again. Something. It may be an anxiety. It may be a fear. It may be anger that's just kicking you. Man, it may be just a horrendous trauma that gives you nightmares. It may just be a betrayal that you haven't gotten the ability to forgive yet. It, it, just, it could be that. It could be just something that, that is your own sin that you've never forgiven yourself for. It was too bad, and I just ruined everything, and, and it's just horrible. And God, in the most personal way, wants to tell you, my son, my daughter, my beloved, I said, it is finished. Would you pray with me? As we close, we're going to sing a song, No Longer a Slave, and, and we're going to also just have those buckets because if you would like to write your thing down and put it in the, the bucket, I'm going to pray for the grace to walk out of that as I get those cards. So let's stand and let's pray. Right now, with every head bowed and eye closed, I wonder if there's someone who 
has just never fully received Jesus' forgiveness for their life. You, you, maybe in your head you've been a Christian, but you know you're not right with God today. And you want to say, today I receive the gift of salvation. I want to be born again. I want to begin my new life. I want to invite you to say a simple prayer with me. Right now, just you can indicate that. You can, can write me an email if you're online. Or you could just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Today I'm receiving the Lord. Anybody here just say, today is my day. I believe that. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Let's just pray. Could we all just pray this together? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross to pay for my sins. To end that sad story and to give me a new beginning. I give you my sin my hurt, my trauma. And I accept your salvation, your forgiveness, and your new beginning. Take this label off me, Lord. Take the stinger out of me. I receive your peace. I receive your love. Just as we sing this, close with this. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Just let God give you a word. Just let him tell you how much he loves you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.